This week on Together for Salem. No matter what we try to give us the good life, if we're honest, we usually ask the good life, how could I ever really experience the good life? Because deep down we have this baggage that we feel keeps following us around. No matter what success we have or how much money we have or the relationships we have, there is still this weight that we feel. This weight of, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Because the real me isn't that good. So how could I really experience the good life? And I really think that's what keeps most people from truly experiencing the life we were made for. Salem. I am Monica. This is Aaron. We are representing Cross Creek Community Church. We are your hosts for this weekend's episode of Together for Salem, part two of The Good Life. Mm. Yep. Speaking of war. Speaking of four. Did you know that Cross Creek is for you because God is for you? And we are also for our community, Salem. We're so glad you're here. We're glad you're watching. You can let us know you're watching. You can say hello back to us using the welcome form on our website. It's mm. an easy, simple way to say hi. It's actually a kind of a cool way to say hi because you'll get a free e-gift card if you check that box that says, send me a Starbucks e-gift card. Yes, that's true. No strings attached. That's right. So uh, you can do that if you've been watching for a while and you haven't said hello yet. That's a great way to do that. There's Should other that. things on the form too. Ask for prayer. Ask for a Bible. Hey, I need a Bible to read. Mm -hmm. We'll send one to you. Um, ask questions. Mm -hmm. Join a connect group. Mm -hmm. It's all there. All of the things. Yep. Yeah. We have more to say. Yes. But we're going to stop. We're going to stop and send it over to our friend John. He's going to cover part two of The Good Life. That's right. If you didn't watch part one, no worries. You can go back and watch it later. Watch Please it. Is that's, that the rewind sound? rewinding it. Yeah. Watch this one, part two of The Good Life, and we'll see you on the other side with a couple of giveaways mm -hmm. and some announcements. That's right. To you, John. We all want a good life. You want a good life, I want a good life. And we all try to do things to improve our lives, to get that good life, right? Whether it's more money or more stuff or uh, that relationship that we just know will make everything all right or everything better, right? And give us the good life. Well, the thing is, we've all tried to find the good life in our own unique and useless ways. We've all tried to find the good life in our own unique yet still useless ways. Like for me, there's always this thing with like money. Like, oh, if I just do like the right, the right investment and then everything will be all right. Or if I win the lottery that I didn't even buy a ticket for, then I'll have the good life. I used to want to be a rock star and I'd watch MTV Cribs <laughs> and be like, that's the life I want. That'd be so, so awesome. Or, or get the perfect job and then everything will be okay. Like I'll improve my life and I'll finally be living the good life. Never works right? It never works. And when it doesn't work, 
and we've all tried it, when it doesn't work, then often we try to, to numb ourselves or distract ourselves from the fact that we're not having the life we wanted. We're not experiencing the good life. And that's where addictions can come in. Or we turn to entertainment to distract us from the fact that we don't have the life we want. Or even politics. And we try to escape into this other world where we don't have to think about our lives and, and the fact that it's not really what we hoped it would be. And in fact, many people try religion to give them the good life. If they just do the right things and say the right prayers and light the right candles and all that kind of stuff, then they'll finally experience the good life. But the problem is it just makes things worse because often end up exhausted, feeling really guilty, or at least pretty bored, right? And the thing is, no matter what we try, no matter what we try to give us the good life, if we're honest, we usually ask the good life, how, how could I ever really experience the good life? Because deep down we have this baggage that we feel keeps following us around. No matter what success we have or how much money we have or the relationships we have, there is still this weight that we feel. So, and we try to push it away, but it, it, every once in a while it comes back. This weight of, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Because the real me isn't that good. So how could I really experience the good life? And I really think that's what keeps most people from truly experiencing the life we were made for. The life Jesus promised us that he, he came to, to give us. Because the good life isn't about improving. It's about removing. We keep trying to improve our lives. What we really need to do is remove something from our lives. The good life isn't about improving. It's about removing. And the Apostle Paul talks about this idea in what we call the Book of Colossians. It was an ancient letter Paul wrote to Jesus followers in the city of Colossae. So he's writing to Jesus followers. And these Jesus followers are being told, look, Jesus is cool and all, but you need to, you need to do more to really experience the good life. And Paul's saying, no, this, Jesus is all you need. And here's kind of how he, he jumps into this part. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. I, I think I'd remember that. But, but not by a physical procedure. Oh, okay. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. Oh, I get it. Sinful nature. See, this is where the biblical writings tend to differ from a lot of worldviews and philosophies. Because there's a core belief in the entire biblical writings, the accounts written there, that is this, that Every human, you, me, your mom, is predisposed to selfishness. What we call, call sin, that what I want is more important than you. We are made, we are just automatically from birth having this desire for us and what we want. The perfect example is toddlers. You don't have to teach toddlers to be selfish, to care only about what they want, to say, mine! They just do it. According to the biblical writings, we are predisposed to that because of sin. And we can't do anything about it. We can't do anything to take it away or cover it up. It, the biblical writings say that we were created in the image of God. Right? We have God's image. We were created to be perfect. But that image was distorted, was stained by sin of us saying what I want is what's most important 
in this world. And so now that baggage that we have, that sin is a uni- universal human experience, meaning we, we've all experienced it. The Apostle Paul wrote about it 2,000 years ago. Here's how he explains it. See if this sounds familiar for, for your life. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. There it is again. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you you don't want your anger to come out anymore, but it still does. Or that jealousy or that insecurity. You don't want that to come out anymore, but you can't help it. It just keeps happening. And that's why it's so difficult to really experience the good life. Because no matter what we have, no matter who we are, no matter what we've accomplished, we still have that sinful nature trying to control us. And every day we keep adding more and more weight to that baggage that's created by our own selfishness. See, sin prevents us from fully experiencing the good life. Sin prevents us from fully experiencing the good life. And so Paul's saying, what we can't do, get rid of that sinful nature, right? It's just part of us. We can't do anything to get rid of it. What we can't do, Jesus did for us. He cut it away for us. But he goes on because it's even better than that. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. When someone decides to follow Jesus, Jesus doesn't just cut away that old sin nature and just kind of leave you bleeding and and empty. No, he doesn't just cut away the old nature. He gives us a new nature. He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new life. Maybe you've heard that Christian phrase of born again. That's where that comes from. We get a new life when we decide to follow Jesus. See, losing our old life, the the, the sin nature, losing our old life is the only way to find the good life. It says you you got this new life when you were baptized, meaning not meaning like getting baptized is what saves you or makes you a, a Christian or makes you follow Jesus. The act itself doesn't bring new life. But the baptism was kind of one and the same when you said, I believe you they they baptized you. It was a physical and public demonstration that the old you died in the water and now you've begun a new life in Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about, that that when you are baptized, you have transferred your trust for the good life from yourself. Like, how can I get the good life? What can I do? What can I get? What can I become to get the good life? You transferred your trust from yourself to Jesus and what he's done to give us the good life and what he will do. So if you're a Jesus follower, first of all, it's good to get baptized. You should probably get baptized. And you can email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and we will get you baptized and it'll be a fun party. But also, are you kind of starting to get it that the good life doesn't come from us trying to add things to our life or, or just be better. It comes from something so much more. It comes from a new life. And Paul clarifies it even more. Here he goes. You were dead. Remember being dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. 
So the biblical writings portray God basically seeing people as two types. There's two types of people in the world, according to God. There's the spiritually dead. Those who are, are dead, they're still in their sinful nature. They're not experiencing real life because they still have that baggage holding them down, keeping them captive, slaves, it says, to sin. They can't, they, they can't make the choice for themselves because sin has power over them. So there's the spiritually dead. And then there's the spiritually alive. Those who have trusted Jesus, those who have been given the new life, those who are experiencing true life, who are free of the slavery of sin, who are, are forgiven. That's the, the second type of person that God sees. There's the spiritually dead and the spiritually alive. And Paul goes on to talk about this. He says, he canceled the record of the charges against us. What charges against us? Well, your, your selfishness, my selfishness, has hurt people. We have a record of wrong that we've done. But he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. See, when we accept Jesus' payment for our sins by him dying on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserved, when we accept his forgiveness, the old us, the old you, dies. And we're given a completely new identity. That slavery to sin dies. The person who, who couldn't help themselves dies. And now we're given a completely new identity, a new life. And that identity is no longer what you've done. Your identity is no longer your past. Your identity is who you are in Jesus, a new and free person. In fact, Jesus' best friend, John, puts it as you are now a child of God. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of God. You transfer from those who are dead to those who are alive forever. You are free. You're free from sin. You're, you're free to be your true self. And you're free to bring that freedom to others. You're free to truly live the good life we are all looking for. And this is how we define the real good life. The good life is this, experiencing the freedom of being completely loved and accepted by God. That's the good life. And you might be thinking, well, maybe I've done that. I've, I've, I've accepted, you know, I've accepted that forgiveness and that, that payment, but I still have this baggage. I, like, there's still this guilt of who I used to be. I know I'm new, like I know what up here, but I still feel this, ugh, this I can't experience a good life because it just keeps eating at me. Paul answers that too. In this way, he, Jesus, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And I know that might be weird for those who haven't really delved into the biblical writings much, but this idea of spiritual forces or, or the devil. There's an, I believe there is an actual devil because Jesus said there was. So we can predict their death and resurrection and then pull it off. I'm going to believe him about pretty much anything he says. And so when he talks about the spiritual forces, that they've been disarmed. Well, what are the weapons that spiritual forces have against us? The, probably the strongest ones, guilt and shame. Think of the power of guilt. Think of the power of shame. Think of how people who, who call themselves Jesus followers have used that for centuries to hold people down, to get people to do what they want them to do. This powerful guilt and shame makes you do a lot of things. There's a lot of power there. But Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' forgiveness disarmed those weapons. They no longer have power 
over you. Think about it. What power does guilt really have when you are fully forgiven? Where is there shame for your past life when that isn't who you actually are anymore? That was somebody else. Where's the shame in that? See, are, are you seeing how removing your old life, that allowing that sinful nature to die, is the path to the life you've always wanted? How simply attempting to improve your own life really will, will never get you to fully find the good life we all long for? And so the, I think the obvious question is, how do I experience the new life Jesus offers? This sounds good, John. I, I, I want to try it. I want to I find that new life. How do I experience this life and, and kill the old? Well, there's three ways. And the first step really is you just have to accept it. You accept the new life that Jesus offers. See, the new life that Jesus offers is free. It's, it's a gift that Jesus wants to give us, that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a perfect relationship with him, to be fully accepted and forgiven by him. But there is that sinful nature that we talked about, right? And that sinful nature separates us from God. There's a, there's a rift there in our relationship with God because of that sinful nature. We keep hurting his kids. and He's not a fan of that. And so he, he wants us to have the full life. He wants us to have a relationship with him, but our sin is separating us from him. He loves us and wants that with us, but we are separated. And so we, he solved the problem because we can't remove our past, right? We can't change our past. We can't do anything to, to make up for the hurt we've caused. And so there has to be kind of like justice. There has to be justice for that. But the justice would kill us because we've killed relationships. And so he sent Jesus. Jesus came 100% God, 100% human, and took the punishment that we deserve, that we earned for our sin. He took that punishment for us on the cross. He died the penalty, for the penalty that we deserved. But he didn't stay dead. See, he rose from the dead. And there's eyewitnesses. We have eyewitness accounts that he actually rose from the dead, saying that sin no longer has power, and that new life is possible, that he has the power over life and death, and he offers us new life. And he removes that sinful nature. He removes our sin. It says, as far as the east is from the west, which is actually like impossible to measure because the east and the west just keep separating, right, if you try to measure them. And the way we receive that isn't by doing a bunch of good things. The way we accept the new life isn't by you know, making sacrifices or lighting candles. It's simply through the biblical word is faith. A better word might be trust. By trusting that, yes, there's nothing I can do. Jesus did it all for me, so I trust him to give me that new life. And it's that simple, like we talked about in the last episode. It's simple to follow Jesus. It's simple because we just accept what he did for us. And if that's something you want to do, you can just tell him, Jesus, I accept the new life you offer. I, I'm sorry, I apologize, I repent, is the religious word, for the hurt I've caused. Please remove that sin from me. I accept your payment. Give me your new life. I want to live for you. If that's something you want to do or you, or you did, tell us about it. We want to walk with you in this journey. We want to be a part of it. Don't be like a friend that I'll call Tyler, who I was talking about this with him for a few months, really. 
And then a couple weeks later, I'm talking to him and like, hey, how's it going with Jesus? Like, oh yeah, I decided to follow Jesus. I'm like, what? That's huge. He's like, oh yeah, I did a couple weeks ago. No, I want, we want to be a part of it with you. So tell us, email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and tell us, I decided to follow Jesus and we can help you in that journey. Or maybe you have questions. We love questions. We encourage questions. We want to be a part of the journey. Maybe you're not ready to make that decision, but you have questions about it. Let us be a part of that and email us with your questions. So how do you experience the good life that Jesus offers? You accept it. And then enjoy it. Rest in it. Have peace in it. Remember who you are in it. That's how you enjoy it. Here's what Paul said about having that new good life. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So remember who you are. I, my encouragement to you is this week, read those two verses. Probably every day this week. And when, later on in life, when you're like, well, do I, am I really okay with God? Read those. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The sin nature has been cut from you. You are free. So enjoy it by remembering who you are, read Romans, and then fight back. Enjoy it by remembering and fighting. See, the next time you hear those whispers that you're not good enough. Oh, sure, you accepted Jesus, but you're a sinner. You've you've spoiled everything. You're useless. You know what? When God watches you, he's disappointed in you. Next time you hear those whispers, fight back. Say, you know what? That might have been true, but that person is dead. And through Jesus, I'm something new. I'm free. I'm cherished. I'm loved. I'm accepted. And I'm victorious. Remember who you are. So accept it. Enjoy it. And then share it. (laughs) Through acts of love, what does love look like? And your words. Share why you have a hope in your life. Why you are different than maybe you used to be. You don't need to have all the answers or or the perfect words to share what Jesus has done for you. It's your story. There's no wrong way to tell your own story. You have your experience. So share your story. The good life. We can all have it. We can all experience it. So accept it. And then enjoy it. And then share it. Because the good life is found by accepting a new life. Accept it, enjoy it, share it. That's good. Seems doable. Seems doable. Three mm-hmm. steps. I love it. Great. Thank you, John, our friend John. Mm-hmm. Um, we look forward to hearing about part three of The Good Life. Yep. If you missed part one, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. So thank you. All right. We have a couple of giveaways. Just two. Just one. And then one coming. Right. That's yes. two. Two giveaways. So this week's giveaway to Ratchet Brewery. Mm-hmm. It's a brewery. There's a location in Salem. There's a location in Silverton. I didn't know about Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. you did. I did $25 to Ratchet Brewery. And the winner is, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you going to do your drum roll? Good job. Stacy W. Stacy awesome. W. Congratulations. Go get that hummus plate. Yeah. Enjoy your date. And yeah, Ratchet Brewery, 25 Fantastic. bucks. Fantastic. Yep. This week's giveaway 
So we, every week we do a giveaway. This will be our 50th giveaway, I think. Maybe. Something like that. Yeah. To um, Ricky's Bubbles and Sweets downtown. Oh. Yeah. Cool spot. Cool socks. Cool candy. Lots of gifts. Um, hmm. So if you've got like, I mean, you don't have to have kids, but if you had kids, this would be a, this would be a hit. Yeah. So you can enter online. Um, we usually post on Mondays or Tuesdays to enter, mm -hmm. and then we draw on Saturdays. So congratulations, Stacy. Congratulations to whoever wins Ricky's Bubbles and Sweets mm -hmm. this coming week. Excellent. That's right. All right. Oh, and we have two more announcements. Yeah, but I think it's time, and you may be wondering why I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt. It's because we have eggs and we are ready to egg our neighbor. So I got these eggs from the fridge because you went to the store today. Yeah, I So did. I'm just going to put them in here. Uh-huh. And we'll go over to Marilyn's house. She's 95. She won't care if we egg her house. Marilyn might care. Also, what? that's not what Egg Thy Neighbor is. But I thought... I know. You grew up in Wisconsin. So maybe in Wisconsin, egging your neighbor meant that. Well, here at Cross Creek, we're not going to go egging our 90... I think she's 92. But we're not going to go to egging your 92-year-old neighbor. I feel like I actually have room for two, though, doesn't? You do have room for that. And you can take those back upstairs, because that's not what we're going to do. Okay. Egg thy neighbor is our For Salem challenge for March. That's what it was. Yeah. We're going to be giving, you're going to be giving, if you want to take the challenge, mm -hmm. uh, eggs to your neighbor. And we're not talking about that kind of eggs. Should probably be candy eggs, then. Candy the or nice plastic, and you fill them with That's things true. that maybe a 92-year-old neighbor would want. Yeah, she's an amazing, actually, neighbor. Yeah. She's been here since the 60s. Sorry, Marilyn. Life goals. Um, so egg your neighbor. It's a great way to show your neighbor you're for them. Mm. It's just a fun challenge for you to take on as your family. If you've got kids, it's really fun. You can um, involve your kids in sneaking up like a ninja mm. to the house and hiding eggs in their yard or on their porch. Or maybe you're going to print out big pictures of eggs and put them on their house. I don't know. You can get super creative. There's in the show notes, lots of ideas. Uh, we'll even give you plastic eggs if that's a barrier for you. Um, but we would love for you to show your neighbors you are for them by surprising them. And a bonus option, if you're really, really um, into it and you want to invite them also. That's the second thing. The second thing to our Easter Eve tailgate service. This is a great way to kind of surprise your neighbor with some fun treats. I'm like, hey, Come to the Easter Eve tailgate party <laughs> with me um, on April 3rd. We're also boogie. We yep. can drive boogie. You can download the principal, principal, is that right? Yeah, principal Easter principal. Eve tailgater yeah. PDF and print it out on your own. I feel like there should be a shorter name for that. Printable. Printable. Card. <laughs> anyway, yeah. you can print that out and give it to your neighbor um, with your egging your neighbor. Yes. They could be separate or together. but. That's available for you. All of this is in the show notes. We have a ton of stuff in the show notes. I don't even know about this. But we have recommended readings every week in the show notes. Music we listen to while we are making this episode in the show notes. We've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. You can go back to all the other episodes and read those show notes too. That's true. There's there, information there's in there. There's fun little tidbits in there. I'm just yeah. going to say it. And some fun music. Yep. So if you're interested in coming to our Easter Eve tailgater and you haven't RSVP'd yet, you should do that. You should do that. When you do it, you enter yourself for another giveaway um, on the day of the event. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a fun secret insider tip for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's all we've got though. Yeah. Episode 51. It's 51. a wrap. That's it. Thanks for coming to our basement. Thanks for doing church at home. If you want to join a connect group, you can. Let it's us on know. the welcome form. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Rate and review. Slam that notification bell or whatever Ding. they say. And questions. Yeah, they're coming up. 
Questions are coming up. You can discuss that. in your groups or discuss with whoever you're watching with. And thank you for watching. And we'll see you next week. Next week. Goodbye. Welcome to Together for Salem, episode. Are you paying attention? <laughs> no, sorry. Episode fifty-one. Thank wow. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's been a year, man. It's been a it's heck of a been year. Been a heck of a year. But gifts, candy, and whatnot. Downtown Salem.